Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be a part of this here program, really, really glad to have you. Uh, man, Mackenzie Hughes, golfer from Canada. He was at Torrey Pines, a very beautiful golf course, I think out in California. Uh, he was four under through 17 holes and at, uh, the par five ninth, which was his 18th hole. He, uh, well, yikes. Apparently he went on to play someone else's ball and then got penalized and made a double bogey. That's something I would do play someone else. Well, I, I, I gotta say, I went out to the golf course on Friday and, and y'all need to understand. I, I, and I've mentioned this before and people email me and say, Oh, Oh, I didn't realize you were into golf. Come play golf with me. Thank you. But you don't want me to be there. You really don't want me because, uh, my handicap, well, let's just say on Friday, I shot a hundred one. That was on the first nine holes. It's bad. It's really bad. My handicap is measured and the ball's lost. So it's about a 20 on nine holes. Um, it's bad. It really is. Y'all don't want me to play. I'm getting lessons. My wife for Christmas gave me lessons. Got new PXG golf clubs. I'm going to get lessons. I'm going to get like like comfortably good. But really, it's always been a time to just get out and relax with friends. I go out with friends. Um, we take something nice to drink. We take some really nice cigars. And we spend just time catching up about life and family and friends and unwinding on the golf course together. But I, I actually don't think I ever have hit someone else's ball on the course. And here's a professional golfer who did. So, I'm, I mean, I, I guess I could be in the PGA. All right. We must move on to actual news. <sighs> the former president of the United States, Donald John Trump, was in Texas. I actually had some friends who went to the rally. They said it was a great time. It was like a family reunion. Uh, they, they, Everybody got caught up. Uh, it was good to see people. Friend of mine uh, sent me a uh, text message and said that uh, 45, he said, was fired up. And it was a fun, it was just a fun time to hang out and see friends. But you will notice, I think, the people most likely to tell you what President Trump said in Texas are people on the left, people in the news. They're wringing their hands about it. They're furious about it. Uh, in fact, over the weekend, every major story on the Politico's website was about Donald Trump. Didn't have anything above the fold on Politico where you don't have to scroll down on the monitor. Um, they, they didn't have anything th about Joe Biden. It was all about Donald Trump. And, of course, they have trotted out all sorts of anti-Trump hysterics now um, to attack Donald Trump and attack Republicans for not denouncing him, and on and on we go. It is There's a unique derangement about Donald Trump and the American press corps. They have a symbiotic relationship 
a parasitic relationship, if you will, that they feed off of each other. What I find notable, in all honesty, what I find notable is that I don't have any Republican or conservative friends who are breathlessly emailing, texting, or otherwise in conversation about, did you hear what Donald Trump said? Oh, my gosh. Now, I know those people exist. And while I had friends who were there at the rally, none of them are like, oh, I can't wait for this guy to be back. Some people do. But a lot of people kind of understand if Donald Trump were to get reelected in 2024, he would have exactly four years. The Constitution prohibits more than eight years for a presidency, uh, with one rare exception of a vice president who takes over in the middle of a another of a president's term. So Trump would at best get four years where any other Republican would get eight years, could get eight years, has an opportunity to get eight years. Trump would immediately be precluded. He would immediately become a lame duck. The moment he's elected, he becomes a lame duck and everybody else starts vying for the future of the party. Might as well go on and deal with that now. It doesn't make strategic sense for the Republican Party or even Trump supporters to put him in for four years. And of course, the media says, but he's going to get in and never leave. He wants to end democracy. They're furious with him. The media is. George Conway was on CNN talking about uh, he wants to end democracy. You got all the high dungeons on on CNN and Fox, and, and it's just nonstop. Michael Beschloss, the historian who wanted Joe Biden to be the second coming of FDR or LBJ says it's authoritarianism for Trump to want a part of the people. And Trump goes off on Mike Pence at the rally. Trump says Pence could have thrown it out. In fact, Trump also said, uh, why do they want to change the Electoral College Act if Pence didn't have that power? Well, they want to change it because while it's widely agreed the vice president doesn't have that power, they want an exclusive or, or they want an explicit provision in saying he doesn't have the power so that uh, future presidents don't get duped by bad advice. Donald Trump's not a lawyer. They want to make it explicit for the people who aren't lawyers that know this this isn't possible. But interestingly enough, based on Trump's own argument that Pence really could have thrown it out if he wanted to, he's essentially setting up Kamala Harris. Does he want Kamala Harris to have that power to throw out an Electoral College vote he disagrees with? I mean, that's that's his position, is that Kamala Harris has the power. If Donald Trump were to beat Harris and Biden, Donald Trump has the power, Kamala Harris has the power to say, nope. Not going to do it. We're going to stick around. I, the, the whole thing's rather absurd. But the larger issue here, the more important issue here, is that people on the right don't care. We've moved on. The only people who aren't moving on are the people in the media whose ratings depend on Donald Trump staying around. Or the political strategists who made their name by going after Donald Trump, the Project Lincoln types, which apparently I read the other day, Project Lincoln is apparently defunct now. It's gone out of business. They've all moved on or something. They've all committed in different ways to try to stop the rise of Donald Trump, whatever. Um, So the people who need Donald Trump to stay famous so they can stay famous are the people most likely to want to prop up uh, Donald Trump and linger on every word he said. Part of me also thinks 
that a lot of what Donald Trump is doing now is the same stuff he's done in the past. He's just trying to get a rise out of people. Out of some of the crowd, they get excited by it. By the left, they get upset about it. But everybody talks about it. What I just find amazing and interesting here, among everything else, though, is that uh, Donald Trump really came to prominence in 2015-2016 because MSNBC and CNN gave him a massive pile of free media coverage. I remember distinctly there was a moment where I think it was Wolf Blitzer, he was a CNN anchor, watching Trump Force One land. This is while he was a candidate. And they were giving the coverage as if Air Force One had landed in Moscow for the first time. I don't even remember where it was, but I remember it was just Trump 757. They're like, that here comes Trump Force One, the, the Donald Trump campaign plane. It's landing. We're awaiting candidate Trump. He's going to be speaking to a massive crowd. And they covered the rallies. And it got him ratings. It got him a lot of media attention. Got, got him a lot of free coverage. It got the media a lot of eyeballs. They loved it. And then he became the candidate. He became the nominee. So they're like, oh, we can't cover him anymore. We don't want to cover that racist. After they've been giving him inordinate amounts of airtime, suddenly he's the racist that they don't want to cover. And now that he's gone, they're like, oh, my gosh, we've got to start covering Trump again. Look at our ratings. Look at the people who have left us. I mean, CNN has cratered in the ratings. CNN is one of the most obsessive about covering Trump. In fact, this morning, the top story at CNN was about Donald Trump. And they've since moved it to the center column. Trump offers chilling glimpse into possible second term. Former President Donald Trump conjured a vision of a second term that would function as a tool of personal vengeance and become even more authoritarian than his first when he vowed to pardon U.S. Capitol insurrectionists. If he runs for the White House again and wins, his pledge at a Texas rally Saturday was accompanied by a call for demonstrations. If prosecutors in New York who are probing Trump's business practices and those in Georgia looking into his attempts to reverse his election laws in the state do anything that he defined as wrong or illegal. The comments underscore Trump's obsession with delusional lies that he won the 2020 election and his determination to put that falsehood at the core of the Republican worldview. This is CNN. CNN is obsessed. As much as they say that Trump is obsessed, they are obsessed. They need him. They need him. You know, ironically, so Facebook Insta, or Facebook and, and uh, Twitter, they take Donald Trump off their platforms. And now we are reliant on members of the media who cover Trump to tweet, to disparage him about what he said for any of us to know. Fox News isn't covering his rallies live anymore. I think Newsmax carried it for a little bit. OEN, I guess. Nobody's watching it anymore. It's going off direct TV. They, they carried some of it. But you're more likely to get coverage from CNN and MSNBC than Fox News about Donald Trump. Why is that exactly? Because they need him. They don't have to like him, but they need him. I mentioned all the coverage Donald Trump got for free from CNN and MSNBC. It inarguably helped him in 2016. One 
outlet noted that it amounted to billions of dollars in free advertising. Donald Trump did not have the money to get the coverage that he got. He didn't have the money to advertise to equate to the airtime that he got from CNN and MSNBC and Fox News. It really helped him. You know, if they just stopped covering him, he would fade even more. And they say, no, he wouldn't. He's still generating crowds. People are paying attention. People are eating up. But the crowds are smaller every time. The polling in support of his run for office in 2024 continues to decline. A lot of Republicans realize, whether they haven't said it publicly or not, that uh, it wouldn't be smart to give a guy four years who couldn't run again when you could give someone four years who has a really good chance at another four years to get a total of eight, who could fundamentally transform America back the way Trump voters want it. And they're moving on. But the press needs Donald Trump. The press requires Trump for their own ratings. The New York Times subscriptions are down. CNN's eyeballs are down. MSNBC viewership is down as well. All since Trump faded away. They became standard bearers for Trump derangement syndrome. And now that he's gone, the ratings are down and they are doing their best to bring him back while claiming they want to stop him. And you know how they want to stop him? Giving him inordinate daily coverage, breathlessly, telling everyone what he says when everyone else has moved on. Hello there. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Jerry, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, good afternoon. I've got uh, two quick questions for you. What is Spotify? Who would be so stupid as to egregiously uh, use egregious regulations and unions to crush business in the U.S.? And I'm for Donald Trump because he seems to be the only guy who's got a plan and acts on it for the U.S. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. What is Spotify? Ah, Jerry. Spotify is an online music streaming service the kids these days use to listen to music, um, where I guess... Your generation had eight-track tapes and then cassette tapes, and we eventually moved to CDs. Uh, The kids these days get all their music off the Internet. They don't actually own anything, which is part of the problem. Uh, If you really want the music, own the music. Like, for example, I've got Apple Music. I've got Spotify. I don't really use Spotify a lot, although the Spotify algorithm is way better at helping me find new music that I like. So I like a lot of bands you all have probably never heard of. Uh, the Glorious Sons, one of my favorite bands. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, which you probably have heard of, but I like a lot of smaller, lesser-known groups. Uh, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Uh, there, there's a, a, well, no, I won't give you all some of those bands because you'll think less of me. For I, There's some trash music that I really like. But nonetheless, uh, I got a lot of bands that I love. I'm, I'm more of an alt-rock person. My wife is stuck in the 80s with her music. She considers it to be the, the greatest um, music of all time. And I don't, just so you know, uh, <laughs> we beg to differ. You can actually follow me on Spotify and on Apple Music at EWRX, and I got my workout playlists and stuff there. You, you can see for yourself the sort of music that I like. Some of you will find it atrocious and terrible, but nonetheless, um, there's a lot of great bands out there that I like, and Spotify helps me find newer ones better, and I just I get it off the internet. But I typically 
with I, I've got an Apple Music account, and I will buy my music off of Apple Music. I don't like to do the subscription music service because, you know, if I buy my song, my song stays with me. It's not going to disappear. I own it. And that's my preference is to own my music so that uh, when the artist decides they no longer want it on a particular streaming platform, I can still get it. Same way I still like to buy movies. I don't just like to, to stream them. I like to like to buy. No, I'll buy digital copies. Uh, I was for a long time buying physical copies and converting them, but it became such a pain in the butt and you're really not supposed to do it. I just kind of like ownership. I mean, we are we are all with our subscription services out there. We're going to go bankrupt, all of us, $5 at a time on subscription services. There used to be this thing. In fact, they still have it. It's called cable television, where the cable provider arranges large packages of television channels for you to choose from. They have a basic cable where you get all your local channels, you get some sports, you get some news, and then you can add on for, for different categories, for sports or for entertainment, for movies. You get the HBOs, you can get the, the Showtimes, you name it. And now you can go on and you can get a Roku or an Apple TV or an Amazon Fire Stick or whatever they call it, the, the, the uh, Google Chrome Stick or whatever. You can get, uh, you can get, let's see, you can get a subscription to the Apple TV Plus. You can get a subscription to Amazon Prime. You can get a subscription to Hulu. You can get a subscription to Netflix. You can get one for HBO Max. You can get one for CBS Paramount Plus. They all have pluses in their names now too. Bally Sports, ESPN Plus, Disney Plus. You can get the Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Hulu package, and you have to pay, and you still get advertisements. It's the craziest thing. And you start putting all this stuff together, pretty soon you have something that looks like a cable package. I actually just got a, a something called FUBU, which is actually a cable news or cable TV service over the Internet. And it comes, it's got all my local channels, it's got all the sports channels, it's got like live TV stuff. You get the ads and all. I used it last night to watch the football game because I couldn't get the app to watch the football game, so I had to go into the FUBU app to get it off the off the local stream because the Fox TV app had so many people on it watching the the uh, uh, the Rams game last night that it kept crashing. So I had to go stream it off the local cable service, and you we're all going to go bankrupt on this stuff. And then you got the Spotify fee, the Apple fee, all the other fees. It's just too much. All right, we got to move on to other stuff. When we come back. Biden and his affirmative action pick for the United States Supreme Court. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be a part of this here program. Don't forget, uh, if you text the word SHOW to 33777, you can get all the links to the podcast, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and you can get a link to the daily uh, Substack email. Um, majority of Americans want Joe Biden to consider all possible nominees for the Supreme Court vacancy. Here's the problem with affirmative action. You never know if the person hired was hired for their competence or the color of their skin. You never really know. It leaves doubt. Now, those who support affirmative action say it's it's worth it. 
got to bring about equality, and the only way to get more qualified people who are non-white is to hire maybe lesser qualified non-white people who can then build up the uh, the ground and inspire kids to see people like them. Uh, the 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 neo-racists out there are so convinced everyone's got to see skin color to be inspired. That's part of the problem here. Is real it it becomes reverse racism. Joe Biden is already going to cast doubt on the competency of his Supreme Court nominee because by saying, I'm not going to pick the best, I'm not going to pick the most qualified, I'm not going to pick the most distinguished, I'm not going to pick the best educated, I'm not going to pick the person whose opinions I agree with, I'm only going to pick a black female. That's it. No one else. By doing so, he automatically casts doubt on the competency of this person. And the best the left can do is what about ism? Well, what about Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan only wanted a woman. He picked Sandra Day O'Connor. And you know who the most vocal critics were? Conservatives. Jesse Helms. Then the senator from North Carolina. Phyllis Schlafly, leader of the conservative women's movement. Ed Meese, who became Reagan's attorney general. All of them vocally critical. And so is Jimmy Carter for the same reason. You should pick the best person, not a person based on race or gender. What if it's a man who identifies as a black woman, a white man who identifies as a black woman? Will Biden consider this person? Probably not. He doesn't want a transgender pick. He wants an actual black woman, not a pretend black woman. A new ABC News Ipsos poll finds a plurality of Americans View the Supreme Court as motivated by partisanship while President Joe Biden's campaign trail vow to pick a black woman to fill a high court vacancy without reviewing all potential candidates evokes a sharply negative reaction. Turns out Americans want Joe Biden to consider all possible nominees and not just black women. 76% of Americans that's might as well be unanimous. You can't get 76% of Americans to agree on anything anymore. And yet 76% of Americans say Joe Biden should not look at the color of skin, but the competence of the candidate. It's kind of a big thing, but he's not going to. So I, I got to say, if I were Joe Biden and you're only going to pick black women, he should at least get some diversity out of it and go with Judge Michelle Childs. Judge Childs is a district federal district court judge from South Carolina. Now, it's been a while since we've had a federal district court judge or anyone else elevated to the ranks of the Supreme Court. Usually they go through a court of appeals. But you've already precluded everyone except black women, and there aren't a lot of black women on courts of appeals. you got to go elsewhere. The thing that I like about Michelle Childs is that she is a federal district judge from South Carolina who did not go to the Ivy League. She went to the University of South Carolina. Now, I got to tell you, my friends who are lawyers in South Carolina say that if you want to be a lawyer in South Carolina, you probably ought to go to the University of South Carolina. That They've... The, the bar favors, you got to pass the bar in South Carolina. The bar favors people who went to the University of South Carolina. Now, I've got, that's not to say you can. I've got friends who 
uh, went with me to law school, not in South Carolina, who went to practice law in South Carolina, and they had to really, really study for the bar hard, but they were able to pass. Michelle Childs, uh, J. Michelle Childs, uh, Juliana Michelle Childs, she goes by J. Michelle Childs, her first name Juliana, she goes by Michelle. She's born in Detroit. Her mother worked for Michigan Bell Telephone. They moved to South Carolina, to Columbia, because of the crime in Detroit. She went to the University of South Florida, and then she went to the University of South Carolina. She got an LLM from Duke. That's like the Masters of Law. You know, way back in the day, people would go straight to law school, and it was kind of like their bachelor's degree, but they'd get a juris doctorate. And then you went on to your LLM, this specialized area of law. She worked at a major law firm, became one of the uh, first black partners at the law firm. She is an expert in employment and labor law. And she was appointed by Barack Obama to be the district court judge for the District of South Carolina. She received bipartisan vote, by the way. It would make sense to go with her because she's not Ivy League. Listen, here's the biggest problem with the Supreme Court these days is that it, it, it seeks to extend the morality of the Harvard Yard to 350 million Americans. You, you got so many Harvard jurors up there, so many Ivy Leaguers up there. Uh, they don't know the rest of the world. They, they have a very jaded perception on the way the rest of the world works. It's time to break up the Ivy League monopoly on the Supreme Court, and Michelle Childs would work to do that. So the question is, if Joe Biden is so willing to not look at anyone other than black females, is he willing to look at uh, black females who didn't make it to the Ivy League? There's where the real bias is, is it's the Ivy League virus. Ivy League, Ivy League bias, if I can talk. I think he should do it. I think if, if Joe Biden is only going to look at one small group of people, he should look at this particular person because she didn't go to the Ivy League. But here's the thing. The elites aren't going to like her because she didn't go to the Ivy League. I mean, whether you whether they want to admit it or not, let's be real honest here. The elites themselves, overwhelmingly white and then some not, they also kind of understand that if you're only looking at a person because of their race, you may not be looking at the best person. They understand that. They may not want to say it, but they know it. They know it. But they virtue signal by doing it. So he then picks someone who's not in the Ivy League. Will the elites try to undermine her? Will the elites try to scuttle her? Will the elites do whatever they can to try to sabotage that career? Remember Harriet Myers. Harriet Myers went to Southern Methodist SMU in Dallas. She had a degree in math. She got her JD in 1970. George Bush nominated her for the United States Supreme Court. She had to withdraw. Now it turns out if we're if we're real honest here, she really wasn't that qualified to be on the Supreme Court, and it really didn't have a ton to do with her background, although I know people who helped sabotage her. 
You know, one of the most interesting stories that came out of the, the Harriet Myers days is that it was actually a revolt of the staff in the Senate. Republican staffers in the United States Senate began to revolt against Harriet Myers. Then the reason was is because Bush insisted on her and there were real questions as to whether or not she was another David Souter, whether or not she would be good on Roe v. Wade, whether or not she would be a real conservative. And she couldn't answer questions. And I know some of the people involved. They've told me the story that in the Harriet Myers nomination, they were completely all caught off guard. None of them expected Harriet Myers. They all had a list of people they thought would be good. And, and Bush just did a major curveball. And it left them all flabbergasted. And, of course, the, the senators, they were going to line up and go behind Bush. All the senators were lined up to go with Bush. And so what these staffers did is they started leaking stories to the media. Harriet Myers met with Senator X today, and she couldn't answer basic questions about constitutional law. Harriet Myers submitted her paperwork today, and she had an incomplete understanding of constitutional nuance related to the 14th Amendment, leaving senators perplexed. A bipartisan group of senators said Harriet Myers isn't answering the questions they wanted. It was all BS. It didn't even happen. And yet the staffers were leaking this stuff to sabotage her. And interestingly enough, the Republican staff began working with the Democratic staff to, on a bipartisan basis, undermine Harriet Myers. Because... Democratic senators realized Harriet Myers may not be the conservative Bush put her up to be, and she might be the safest pick for them for the Supreme Court. And so as the senator, Democratic senators were thinking we could go along with her, knowing the Republican senators were going to go along with her, the Democratic staffers despised George Bush. And so they were willing to work with the Republican staffers to scuttle Harriet Myers' nomination and absolutely took her out. And as a result, we got Sam Alito. I bet y'all have never heard that story. I've heard it from the people who were involved. I know it to be true. She wasn't a great pick for ideological reasons. You know, whoever Biden picks is going to be ideologically perfect. It'll be someone of the left. The left is never disappointed on their ideological picks. But if you go for someone who's not of Harvard Yard, will the elite be happy? They already know you're getting someone based on the color of their skin, not the content of their character or their core competency. And now you're giving them someone who's not even of an Ivy League school. How dare Joe Biden do this? The funny thing here is that the Republicans, they can't really stop it per se, but they can make the Democrats pay a price if Biden goes too far left because he's so unpopular. It's 76% of Americans say he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. The Republicans can make the Democrats have hell to pay if Biden doesn't get this right. And the way his White House is going, I have a hard time believing he'll actually get it right. It's fantastic to watch. To the phones we go. Mary, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Mary, how are you? Oh, there we go. Mary, sorry Good, about Eric. that. Pushed the wrong Thank button. You. you there? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Eric. Hey, thank you. Real quick, um, I was uh, an HR executive. I helped author affirmative action policy for two um, very large known to my employers in the 80s. And um, we actually had success, even though affirmative action in the end, I think generally was 
was considered unsuccessful. But the reason is because my employers and I went, we decided to go out with the notion that we were going to consider all people, you know, of all protected classes, regardless of anything, and in the end, hire the best candidates so that if that candidate we hired was not of a protected class, we could at least show in the candidate pool that we considered everybody. And I think that's where Biden has blown this. Yeah. Yes. I I, I think that's what you've got to do is, I mean, even take into account, let's say you don't want another white person on the Supreme Court. What about Asian, Hispanic, um, uh, black men, male, female, and he's just, he's so narrowed the group. I think what your company did is probably the wisest part. And, you know, I mean, your company was a private company. You could do this. Uh, Biden, if he wanted to do this criteria for school admissions and public schools or universities or anything else would be prohibited by law from doing what he's doing. And I think people kind of understand that in general, that you in a private sector business can do these sorts of things. And your company, it sounds like actually went above and beyond to make it as broad as possible to find the very best candidate. So there was no lingering doubt. Biden, on the other hand, has precluded every race and gender except the one. And of course, there are only two genders unless you listen to the left and they believe there are 50 bajillion and Biden's excluded all 50 bajillion genders except for this one and this one race. And that's a real problem. And 76% of Americans say it's a problem. And so he's already stacked the deck against whoever this nominee is and done a disservice to that nominee. And here's the thing. He could have done it anyway. He could have privately said, I only want black women without ever saying publicly and thereby would not have necessarily undermined this person. Now, one of the groups that's going to step up on the fight on the right on the Supreme Court nomination fight and other things and and advance the conservative cause and, and really go after Democrats if they get wobbly is Patriot Mobile. And they're not going to do it directly. They actually fund these causes on the right, the causes you care about, the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause, the staunchly conservative cause. And they do it by having you as a customer. They take a portion of their profits and dedicate it to the conservative movement. If you would like to be a customer of Patriot Mobile, it's very easy, and you get free activation. They can even port your existing telephone number over or give you a new phone number. If your phone is unlocked, you can even port that over and not have to get a new phone. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you call them, 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them, Eric, since you, you get free activation and you get great discounts if you're a veteran, first responder, you're a gun owner, NRA member, so many great discounts. They can save you some money and you're doing business with a company that shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. So I'm getting a question. People can't hold the line, but they're asking the same question. Why doesn't Title VII or Title IX apply to Joe Biden picking his nominee? The answer is because those apply to private sector businesses and public sector uh, entities that take government funding. Uh, they, they apply to corporations. They apply to public schools. They don't apply to the president's ability to pick someone for the Supreme Court. The Constitution is the only applicable thing, and the Constitution sets forward that the president shall nominate and the Senate shall confirm whoever the president sends over. A lot of these laws, like, for example, uh, Title VII doesn't apply to Congress. Most laws that Congress passes don't actually apply to Congress. And Congress cannot regulate who the president picks. Only the president gets to. 
And the only way to hold the president accountable is through the ballot box or in the impeachment process. So you, you can't stop. what Congress, when they write these laws, they don't apply them to the nominations process. The president gets to set that criteria. Um, you yourself for hiring aren't. So, I mean, that's kind of one of the absurd things here is based on Supreme Court precedent. Uh, if Joe Biden were a college administrator in a college that takes federal funding and said, we will only admit black women, Joe Biden would be prohibited by law from doing that. It would violate the law. But Joe Biden as president of the United States nominating someone for the Supreme Court can say, I only want a black female and there is no law that can stop him from doing this. It's remarkable. Now, by the way, uh, I don't think there should be a law either. I think if the president wants to say this, uh, he can say it. And it's up to Congress in the nominations process to stop him or the voters to punish him at the ballot box. We should not restrict you. We should not uh, curtail the nominations power of the president uh, because it would certainly be used immediately by the left to curtail Republican presidents from appointing conservatives, let the nominations process happen in the Congress. And, you know, Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, is already out saying Michelle Childs would be eminently qualified. He wants somebody from South Carolina on the Supreme Court. It's a partisan political issue for him. Now, when we come back, we got to talk about language. The Orwellian language police are out there in full force these days, censoring conservatives and changing words like, what does it mean to be a racist now? What does it mean to be a segregationist now? What does it even mean to be a female now? We'll discuss when we come back. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business, you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are, if you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com.